Hi, everyone, and welcome to the show. It is our fifth episode of our third season. I'm Dana. And I'm Jim. <laughs> Today we have our friend, writer, chef, uh, radio personality, TV personality, Jada Cody. But first, beer. So, Jay, welcome to the show. Uh, we have all, we're all remote right now. Uh, you guys yeah. are down in Baton Rouge, and I'm up here in New York. Uh, but we wanted to have Jay on the show. Dana's in a very hot house in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. <laughs> we have decided to all just choose our own beers and bring them on the show today. So uh, I'm going to let Jay kick this off. Uh, what are you sipping on right now? Awesome. See, I already opened it up and poured it, but this is uh, Urban South's Holy Roller, but it's the Grapefruit Holy Roller. So this is uh, one of my favorite breweries in New Orleans. And uh, Urban South makes some awesome beer. Holy Rollers, their flagship IPA. This yeah. is the grapefruit version of that. Beautiful. Yum. Do you know Alan Ritchie, one of Jason's friends? I, I do know Alan very well. Alan is sitting outside our parents' house right now with Jason, drinking that exact beer right now. How about that? <laughs> That's awesome. Well, when we're done podcasting, tell Jason and Alan I said hello. I will definitely. Uh, baby, what are you drinking? Find some air conditioning. Oh, my God. It's kismet. It's kismet. So, um... Our friend Zach, uh, who recently went up to Boston, Massachusetts, not to be confused with Austin, Massachusetts. Um, <laughs> road <trip>. What? It's <laughs> a movie reference with Tom, oh, okay. Tom Green. You remember that movie? Anyway, um, so he went up there. He took orders from everybody, uh, most of the beer noggin guys, uh, what we wanted from different breweries up there. One of the breweries we went to was called Trillium. And it's a phenomenal brewery in Boston. I'm sure, Jay, you probably passed through there. Um, but they have the Com Ave Double IPA, named after Commonwealth Avenue in Boston. And uh, this jumped out at me. So I asked Zach to get me a couple of cans of this. Um, this is featuring a hefty dose of illustrious Citra Hop. Uh, <laughs> it pours a glowing, opaque gold. This beer wastes no time in displaying its overwhelming, juicy character. So it's uh, aromas of the Cara Cara orange. So I'm gonna crack that open real quick. Have you had there that you before? Pretty cool can art there of Commonwealth nice. and the skyline of Boston in the background. Nice. Um, Trillium makes some good stuff, man. I don't, I've never had that beer, but I've had some really good stuff in Trillium. Yeah, this is delicious. This is really <laughs> I like how you're drinking just right out of the can. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not pouring this in this. Keep it nice and cold. I'm trying to be uh, all civilized over here. I, I brought glasses too, Jay. Pinky's up. Uh, 8.2 on the ABV. Woo! That's a big taste a little bit. Getting uh, getting going right into my Saturday evening. There you go. That's that double IPA. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's good stuff. Dana, what are you sipping up? All right. So I am doing something from Parish Brewing. Nice. Dr. Juice. Um, never had this one before. It is 6%. Crushable juice bomb says I'm gonna taste some passion fruit, papaya, and blood orange. Let's see. Got my little Florida Lee glass. I don't know if you can see that. Very Louisiana today. Mm -hmm. So Parrish is located to the west of Baton Rouge in the state of Louisiana. It's near That's um, Lafayette. Yeah. Little town of Broussard, just south of Lafayette. Okay. Is that say, the, where? say Broussard, boo? Broussard. <laughs> you used to say it wrong. Very Yankee-ish. I said it right that time. Broussard. I'm like, nope, it's Broussard. <laughs> well, we went to that fancy restaurant in NOLA. It was called Broussard. Broussards. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. 
Okay. Good. So, and our, uh, our good mutual friend Brent, his last name is yes. Broussard. <laughs> Isn't Jennings towards where Parish Brewing? Jennings is even uh, more to the west. Jennings okay. is between Lafayette and Lake Charles. If you're going down I-10, um, Broussard is just a little south of Lafayette. So um, Jennings, Jennings is in that mix for sure. It's south Louisiana, but it's really between Lafayette and Lake Charles, Louisiana. He still wants me to go duck hunting with him one of these days. And that is a good idea. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to try that out. Uh, for our listeners that don't know who you are, where the hell you guys been? Um, so, like I said, Jay is a chef, a blogger, a TV personality, a radio host. But I know you through my brother, Jason Wesley. Mm-hmm. You guys went to LSU together. I was trying to remember what year it was. I have no clue. Um, you were both still in college. I met you at an LSU game. Surprise, surprise. Um, Because that's how you got into all of this. I was reading that you were going to your first LSU game your freshman year. Your cousin gave you like your grandfather's barbecue utensils and like, all right, freshman, you're in charge this year. That's how you started cooking? Yeah, that's pretty much uh, was my introduction (laughs) to cooking. I mean, but before that, I did, you know, some backyard grilling with my dad and, and cooking at, at hunting camps in Louisiana and South Texas. Um, but it was never really like me being in charge of it yeah. uh, until we started to do tailgate parties. And then it wasn't, as our tailgate parties grew, I had a lot of help with that. And my cousin yeah. Travis and our buddy Eusebio and a whole lot of other people um, pitched in and, and helped cook and really, you know, taught me a lot about that style of cooking, uh, big cast iron pots of gumbos or jambalayas or red beans cooking outside in, in South Louisiana for football games, uh, the, the grilling, deep frying, all that stuff. That's, that's how I learned how to cook for sure. I can't even imagine like figuring out how much of what you need to purchase and cook when you cook for a massive amount. I'm sure people have heard about like SEC tailgating, but until you experience it, you have no idea what it's like. Jim, why don't you tell the listeners about your first experience? And it was yeah, the first time so you it was, it. it was October... 2010 I think and they were playing Tennessee at home that's right 10 to 10 it all happened <laughs> again we threw and you, that day. you and Brent <laughs> invited me down with my boss at the time Dave Quaz, and we we flew down uh and there's a knock at our hotel door at 6 30 in the morning and it's Brent and he goes let's go bitches <laughs> And I was like, where are we going right now? And he goes, we got to go pick up the beer. And I'm like, we can always pick up beer. He goes, no, we got to go now. The keg truck arrives in 10 minutes. And I'm like, oh, my God. So we're like trying to get like our clothes on. We don't know what the heck we're doing. We were out the night before. Get into his uh, truck at the time. I think he had like a Toyota Tacoma or something. He had a pickup truck. So we get in his truck. We go to the beer distributor. And the Bud... Uh, the Bud Light, you know, Budweiser truck pulls up and the guy's like taking the kegs off the back of it. And this, this rack of kegs comes down on the delivery driver's hand. And my heart <laughs> stops. I'm like, oh my God, this guy just lost his hand. I'm like, we run over and we lift up the kegs and he pulls it out and he's just like cussing. He goes towards the road. Like, we don't know what. So we're like, do we start to unload the kegs? Like, what do we do? Or do we call an ambulance? Like, what's going on, right? You're concerned about the beer. Do we do We get ice. <laughs> We get ice in the guy's hand, and he's just sitting there with the ice. And uh, we'll, we're like, we'll just help you with the load. And we just start unloading the kegs, right? I don't know what the heck I'm doing. 
I'm just taking kegs and Brent is like arguing with the guy who owns the place and we're putting the kegs in the back of the uh, truck and we get to the tailgate and you are already starting to set up all of the food, like the cooking apparatuses with like butane, uh, you know, grilling bombs, all this huge gumbo pots, like not gumbo pots you cook at home with, gumbo pots that are like the size of the trunk of the car, like huge. Yeah, no, it's like a, a witch's a cauldron. To mix everything. You had a canoe paddle <laughs> to mix the jambalaya. I was like, what is going on right now? So, like, how do you decide, you know, based on a tailgate of that size, the, the, the amount of ingredients that you need? Like, how do you even gauge that? Yeah, that's, uh, that's just simple math and ratios and statistics. You know, it's uh, part of what that's I learned in college. That's the economics major. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, you know the you know the cast iron pot that I can put on the stove inside my house can you know can feed fifteen people, and I uh, you know I need to feed one hundred fifty to two hundred people, and so you just kind of you just multiply, you know, and, and then it's also just in you know at that point you try to get as close as you can in sizes that you can purchase. You know, it's not like we had a scale out there to say this is exactly ten pounds of chopped onion. Right. You know, it's just, uh, you, you just kind of go for it. It's a lot of eyeballing and it's a lot of uh, inexact science. Yeah, that's awesome. So what? the food that I had at that tailgate was unreal. Yeah. I was going to ask. We had 10 kegs. There was a van <laughs> so, that was, that was so a kegerator. Right. And it, uh-huh. had spouts on the, it had taps on the side of the van. And then you had yeah. a crow's nest with a flare yeah. on it. <laughs> That was a that was an old uh, deer stand that was attached to the back of a pickup truck for deer hunting in South Texas. I acquired that truck from my dad when I turned 16. He was like, oh you can have God. the hunting truck or you can have nothing. And I was like, well, I, I'll take the hunting truck. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, most of the time that I drove it around in high school and early college days, it didn't have a huge deer stand turned into a flagpole attached to it. Uh, but... When I had acquired another vehicle and we turned that truck into a tailgating truck, we were just like, man, like, what if we retrofitted that old deer stand into a telescoping flagpole and we had the the tallest flag on campus? So over the course of three years or so, it we went from having a 20-foot flagpole to a 40-foot flagpole to an 80-foot flagpole. Wow. That was, uh, it was, it was four telescoping 20-foot sections mounted to a counterweighted lever on the back of a truck. So it stood up in the truck. We had outriggers to stabilize it. Uh, and we would fly a flag up to 80 feet high outside the natatorium on LSU's campus. One time we set up outside the LSU baseball stadium and we went up to the deer stand part, the crow's nest part, and we could see over the fence into the stadium. So we watched the baseball game from there with the flagpole up. And during the radio broadcast of the LSU baseball game, they were talking about this new flag (laughs) in the outfield. They were talking about us. That's hilarious. It's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Like the campus put up this beautiful flag recently. Um, so when you do this and you're you're getting beer and you're feeding everybody, I know you had a group. It was called Third Row, I think. The guys that That's would correct. tailgate. Did you guys Third all like collect money from people? Because you're college students, you don't really have money. How are you paying for this? Yeah. So the party started with just a, a whole bunch of college students in 
uh, the, the late 90s to early 2000s. I, I showed up in 99. Um, we, we grew it just, you know, that with whatever we could. Uh, and then as we realized we wanted to continue to grow it and we needed a budget for that, um, yeah. we, started, we started collecting money, but we never wanted to be kind of like a, a true dues paying, you know, yeah. you, you have to put up $100 a season or you can't come because yeah. we wanted our parties to be free for all. So, I mean, we, we wanted yeah. it to be huge. Um, so we found other ways to get creative with that. We did a lot of t-shirts and merchandise sales that generated yeah. revenue. Um, nice. We did a, a keg fund, which was essentially like, it was kind of like a dues, right? But it was a voluntary, you care enough about this party that you're going to prepay for a keg or two throughout the season. And, and you know, and so we got uh, 50 people to all throw in enough to buy a keg. And then we nice. had 50 kegs of beer prepaid to get us through the season. Uh, we threw holiday parties and in the off season crawfish boils uh, that were all fundraising events. And so we, we just kind of kept the cash flow going. Uh, and, and then as we got a little bit older, by, by 2010, when Jim wanted to come along and we threw that party, um, you know, we had a lot of people that were out of school and that had more money or we had parents yeah. that would come chip in. And we, we all, a group of, you know, our core group of student alligators always had parents that would come by the party and that, that, you know, would party with us and they would usually throw in some money and, and keep the party going. That's awesome. So, so after school, uh, you know, I know that you taught a little bit. At mm -hmm. um, when did you really get bit by the culinary bug? And then between then and now over the last, like, you know, 10 to 15 years, when did you hit a point where you were like, you realize that you and, and your brand were really going somewhere and you were like, holy shit, this is scary. I don't, I, you know, like what's going on right now? Yeah. So my, my degrees from LSU are in economics and political science. And then I got a master's in political science and then said, this isn't what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, I, I taught high school math and coached baseball for a couple of years. Uh, and then the school that, that I was at with Brent Broussard actually uh, got shut down. He stayed in the education world. I got out. Uh, I was doing grant writing and policy research in a cubicle day job. And, uh, and I was bored out of my mind, stuck in a cubicle, looking at a computer screen all day. And I started writing about food. That was kind of my outlet was um, uh, I, I, in 2009, I started a food blog and that blog and, and then social media as it was really starting to develop at that time. Um, you know, Twitter and Facebook existed, Instagram and those things didn't even exist yet. Uh, so I was kind of an early adopter to creating, a, uh, especially in Louisiana, creating a, a food blog brand that I used social media and other channels to promote that. And then by 2011, I had a, a weekly um, radio show as well that we started podcasting and, and dipping into that space. And uh, but really, it was it was writing about food that got me into it almost from uh, an academic standpoint, kind of the what I learned, the, the way that I learned how to learn in studying economics and political science, I applied that to food, and I applied that to culture, and I applied that to um, just kind of that, that lens of being really curious about um, how people around the world took very similar ingredients and gave it completely different treatments and created 
you know, the cuisines of the world and, uh, you know, and, and then realizing that so much of that, so much of the best food around the globe actually comes out of, of poverty. It comes out yep. of having the cheapest ingredients and having to do something with it. So you get more creative, you get more innovative, you cook the cheap cuts long and slow, yep. uh, rather than the expensive cuts hot and fast. Uh, and, yeah. And, you know, there, there's themes there that, that not only are true in Louisiana cuisine or the American South, but that are absolutely evident in the Caribbean or in uh, European cuisine or, or you know, in, in Thai or Vietnamese cuisine. And, and so it's, uh, and then, the you know, the, the politics of it, the colonialization of the world. And, you know, like when I realized I could just look at, all of that, the politics of it, the, the you know, the, the, the Vietnamese and how they were a French colony and how the Bon Mi is equivalent to our po' boy in Louisiana. And it's just yeah. like this light bulb went off. And I was just like, I, w I wish I would have realized when I was in undergrad and grad school for political science that I could have like found a way to go in that direction with it all. Um, but I got, that's what got me into it. And the more that I read and wrote about food, the more that I cooked as well. I would, you know, I had a, a blog that was starting to gain some traction and get some viewership and get some social media following. And so I started doing more recipes uh, and more dishes that I cooked myself. And uh, then I really, I got into barbecue um, and, and I still had that love for, for tailgating and for that style of cooking and competition barbecue uh was you know basically like a tailgate party yeah. uh you know you get get together with 100 barbecue teams and everybody's throwing their own tailgate party and having a cook-off essentially and and so i got into that for a little while and then that led to a, a whole lot of other directions as well and it was really i think to answer the second part of your question briefly jim um it was when i started my radio show in in 2011 is the first time that I had enough expenses for the with this hobby of mine because I was actually paying for the airtime on the radio, yeah. and oh, then wow. I had to go out and sell my own sponsors and advertisers, and I was able to do that successfully, and so that led to, uh, you know, income. It it led to revenue and expenses and a balance sheet, and then I was like, wait, this is a business now. It's yeah, no I just a started a business. <laughs> and. And, and then that's when, that's when I got serious about it. You know, that's, yeah. that's when I really started to look at it as how, what are other way, other ways that I can monetize this? How do I, how do I monetize the blog and the radio and the social media? And then what are other ways that I can take what I'm building and find ways to turn it into a business? Yeah. What year were you on MasterChef? Was that 2011? Yeah. MasterChef was 2011. Uh, so that was actually it. It, it that was all a huge part of that story um, right. because it we I, I filmed it right before I started the radio show and then in in February of 2011 the radio show started in April 2011 and then MasterChef aired in June or July 2011 so it was all just like right in that same time yeah. frame and then a couple months later I'd quit my day job to try to to be on my own with all this uh, MasterChef was a really cool experience and it got me a little bit of local clout but i didn't actually perform well on the show it was uh you, you know it, I, I got flown out to los angeles i got to cook for gordon ramsay i was named one yeah. of the top 100 amateur chefs in the country but i cooked one dish for gordon ramsay and i got kicked off the show so, I saw 
Yeah. What did you make? It was crawfish, right? What did you make? It was crawfish. No, that, something. that was a herb roasted rack of venison with a Cajun shrimp and cornbread stuffed bell pepper. Okay. And Gordon Ramsay uh, walked up to it and he cut into the middle of the venison and he took a bite of it and and then he and then he went over to the bell pepper and he just sliced it in half and he took a bite out of the middle of the bell pepper. And he didn't say a word. He just handed me a fork and made me taste my own dish. And so I tasted it. I tasted the stuffing and the stuffed bell pepper. And I was like, it needs more salt, chef. And he said, it needs more salt. It needs more everything. The venison <laughs> cooked perfectly, but the bell pepper, it's bland. What a shame. What a shame. And then he walked away. And then the other two judges basically said the same thing. And then they, they didn't give me an apron and sent me home. Uh, but I was cooking with stunned. bourbon. I made a bourbon cream sauce and uh, at some point while I was plating the dish for Gordon Ramsay and them, Gordon asked me about the bourbon and I picked up this giant bottle of Knob Creek and I put it down <laughs> on the table uh, and he was like, have you been drinking that? And I said, yeah, I had a couple shots while I was cooking because uh, I'll get to that story too. Um, but like that clip of me putting the bourbon in front of them and saying I had a couple shots while I was cooking was really the only thing that made national TV. <laughs> it was awesome. It was, we I, were I all really, very proud of you, Jay. Yeah, thank you. We had an hour to cook and I wasn't really planning on, you know, boozing. And it, it's not like I was drunk or anything. I could take a couple yeah. shots and be right. fine. Um, <laughs> But it was, it was one of my fellow contestants' birthdays, the day that I was cooking, and he wasn't cooking until the next day. So he was just in the audience watching everybody cook for 10 hours on TV set. And uh, he saw me cooking with bourbon, and he was like, man, it's my birthday. You're like, can I have a shot? And I was just like, yeah, let's take shots. So we did, and a producer comes around. I mean, this is filmed in a giant warehouse yeah. in Los Angeles, big, you know, sound set. And so a producer comes running from across the whole stage, <laughs> and she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, did you just take a shot of that? And I was thinking, man, like, I probably signed some sort of paperwork that said I can't. You can't be drunk. It's like, then if I chop my finger off, there's liability and stuff. So I'm thinking I'm about to get kicked off because I'm like drinking while I'm cooking. And, and, and but you know, there's, like, what am I supposed to do? Like, I'm not going to lie about it. So I was like, yeah, it's his birthday. And we took a shot. She's like, well, we didn't get it on the camera. Can you do it again? Oh, that's so, great. You know, of course I said, yes. If you insist. And, uh, <laughs> So then, you know, Gordon Ramsay cues that up when we're on, on camera. He's like, have you been drinking that? Like, yeah, they have footage of me drinking it now. So. <laughs> yep. Can't deny it now. That's uh, great. Uh, so, so again, go ahead, Dan. Um, so speaking of Bite and Booze, the radio show, you won a huge award in 2014. It was the Taste Award for Best Food Drink Radio Broadcast in the Country. Yep. Yep, that's a that's big true. deal, Jay. That's huge. It was. It, I mean, it still is. It still is huge, but it was definitely huge yeah. for me at that time as I was trying to, um, you know, just figure out that world and figure out what I was doing in it. And, uh, the the taste awards are uh, they're they're still going on. It's they're, they've really established themselves even more now yeah. as uh, one of the bigger awards programs for for lifestyle and culture based content. And so mm -hmm. they do all sorts of stuff for. Um, you know, m most of it is, is television shows. I mean, it's like top chef, you know, and shows oh, wow. like that, that are, that are winning taste awards and, uh, you know, Rick Bayless's shows in Mexico and things like that, but they had a food and drink radio broadcast That's category awesome. That's and, awesome. uh, and 
I, I submitted and was one of the top five and then uh, ended up winning. And I was actually, I mean, it was such a big deal that I was even, you know, a part of it at that time that I, I yeah. actually went out to Los Angeles, red carpet and everything, and then nice. won and got to go up on stage and accept the award. It was, it was pretty neat. Awesome. Is that also the same year that you started um, your products? JD's like barbecue, was that the same year? Yep. So the barbecue sauce started in 2014 as well. And then uh, the, the mustard and the barbecue rub came in 15 and 16. And the wine was scattered in there and the coffee was scattered in there as well. That's but now, so now there's, there's more coming. Ooh. Oh, yeah. uh, nice. Can we get a... Mm -hmm. A first time, anything we can talk about or no? <laughs> yeah. Preview? Uh, so, snippet? Yeah. So I've, I've got three more barbecue rubs that are on the way, uh, seasonings. Um, they're, uh, they're all available right now on my website on jdecody.com. Uh, but we're working on commercial packaging to get them out in supermarkets and stuff like that as well. Uh, and so they'll join the, the family of products legitimately at that time. Uh, but it's a, a, my backyard brisket rub, my coffee chili rub, and my hot chicken rub. That's uh, The hot chicken's like a Nashville hot chicken seasoning, which is awesome. delicious. And then in addition to the Louisiana barbecued, uh, bar Louisiana barbecue sauce and molasses mustard, I'm working on a white barbecue sauce as well, which is uh, a product that we use at my taco shop at Government Taco. Um, so I'm work just working on getting that commercially packaged on store shelves too. You so, heard it here first. Yeah, you heard it here first on Butt First Beer, Butt First Barbecue Rubs. Uh, you know, we want to congratulate you. There's some huge news uh, in, in that your brand got purchased. Can you talk about that a little bit? Sure. Yeah. Um, so most of 2019, I was actually going through um, negotiations year, and due diligence and um, all sorts of, uh, you know, the paperwork and conversations about uh, uh, about the radio station, actually, the, the, the parent company of the radio station that I've been on the air with since 2011 uh, was looking at, at growing, was looking at talent that they had and that was successful and that they wanted to give a push there as well. Um, and they looked at me and the brands that I had built and everything else and just kind of knew that I was at a point and through conversation knew, you know, knew that I was at a point where uh, I needed help to be able to grow everything. I needed capital. Uh, I needed um, just administrative help. I needed uh, to take a lot of the, a lot of the entrepreneurship burdens of, you know, payroll and, uh, and, and bookkeeping and things like that, that were, uh, you know, the parts of the job that I was having to do, but didn't really want to do and was keeping me from focusing on uh, the bigger picture and growth. And, yeah. and so, you know, they were really kind of uh, forward thinking and looking at it and saying like, what if, what if we present you the right offer to, to basically pull you under our umbrella to give your companies the support that they need, uh, yeah. both financially and, and funding them properly for growth and in, you know, support staff and things like that. Um, and, and, then, and then also like, yeah, focus on the growth. And so, um, you know, it, it took a little while to get everything sorted out and for them to do all their due diligence. And then, uh, you know, they had to get lawyers involved and I had, to, I had to get a lawyer involved, although it didn't take a whole lot, but um, <laughs> they, they ended up, uh, you know, purchasing the three companies that I had started, the, the, the media company, the taco shop and the product line. 
and really kind of consolidated all of that intellectual property and tangible property and everything else into the J. Dakota Hospitality Group, which is uh, a division of their parent company, essentially. And so um, that's what that's what I do now. I'm the president of the J. Dakota Hospitality Group. And uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of really cool back end incentives for me um, that, you know, it's it's uh, it's a lot of it's going to pay off even better in the future if yeah. uh, there's a lot of growth there and if I if I keep grinding and, and doing what I'm doing um, but there was also a nice little uh, a, a nice little change of pace from you know worried about, I was at a point where it was really every two weeks like can I make payroll can I make payroll like I've got to keep growing this thing the, the absolute entrepreneur struggle um, yeah. that I believed in what I was doing and I wanted to keep doing it and I wanted to keep growing it but it was also you know, the stress that was associated with uh, maintaining that payroll and doing all those things and, and um, to have that burden lifted off of me and actually like pay off all debts and you know, like <laughs> that's get, amazing. Get back to, yeah. I mean, so it feels good now for sure. And so, so all that happened, it, it all closed in fall of 19. Nice. And uh, so not, but you know, and then fall of 19 was LSU football's historic run. Uh, and then, you know, we got into early 2020 and we're trying to position everything for growth and, and COVID hit. And uh, the, the good part for me uh, is that uh, had I not gone through that acquisition and everything, COVID would have bankrupted me. Yeah. And I, yeah. I wouldn't have had a shot to bounce back from it, you know. And, and but since everything happened, I had the stability and the support. Um, we had game plans already for opening up uh, a new government taco location. Uh, we had growth plans already uh, for the product line. Unfortunately, it's been a great time to try to grow that because everybody's been cooking at home and buying yeah. groceries. Yeah. And awesome. um, so the, the product line has actually had its best few months of all time. Yeah. Uh, and, and that's, you know, giving us the energy and, uh, and everything to focus on launching more products. And then, um, ever since, uh, October of 19, I've had a daily drive home radio show as well. And that's been going extremely well. And, and now that we're getting close to we're, we're 10 months in on that you know getting close to a year of being on the air with that show it's really starting to get some traction and uh you know starting to get the the loyal listeners and followers that you need to be able to go out and sell more sponsorships and advertising and so it's all it's all coming together good so that is the jada cody show four to six monday through friday on talk 107.3 listen right. in y'all <laughs> and, and they get access you also Sorry. just celebrated your 200th show on July Ooh, nice. 23rd. Congrats to that. Yep. That's you. Oh, thank you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, we, we just like to celebrate um, <laughs> on the radio. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's a, it's a happy hour drive home. Uh, we do a lot of beer segments. We do a lot of wine segments. We do a, a lot of those kind of things. So we'll have to get y'all to, to call in at some point and do a uh, do an Ooh. on-tap segment of my radio show that with us. Because every, every Thursday we have a... We have a we have a sponsored segment called On Tap, uh, brought to you by local local pizza shop Rotolo's Crafted Crust, and nice. uh, yeah, it's uh, we just drink a beer every time. Thursday and talk about it. Um, awesome. So yeah, we we do all sorts of fun stuff like that, but we look for other reasons. Just you know, throw a party for a radio show like oh, it's episode two hundred. Well, you know, <laughs> when you do when you do a drive home radio show Monday through Friday for. Uh, 
nine months, you get to 200 episodes. <laughs> oh, yeah. Pretty fast. Yeah. Everybody did 200 episodes this year if you have a daily show. <laughs> but, you know, we decided to make a big deal out of it. It's also like the Louisiana way of life. Like, we celebrate yeah. everything. You know, That's work right. hard, play hard. Okay, speaking of beer, everybody, what are you drinking? What's your second beer you got, Jay? What else you got? That's a good question. Let me uh, let me finish this one real quick. Okay. <laughs> All right. Ooh, that's I'm, hard work. Nice. I'm sticking with Urban South. Okay. Um, but this is the triple spilled. It's a fruited sour with mm. mango, banana, and passion fruit. Um, this, this was brewed... The beer that I'm drinking was brewed in their New Orleans brewery, but it was brewed first in their Houston brewery. So Urban South that started in New Orleans now all has a Houston brew pub, essentially. Oh, wow. And they're doing some really cool, crazy stuff uh, nice. at that Houston brewery. That's um, They're allowed to do a little bit of self-distribution there, so they do have some okay. stuff in the Houston market, but most of what they do there is really only available in their tap room. Okay. And... Uh, this this spilled series is all uh, fruited sours that uses okay. a lot of, uh, of real fresh fruit puree and stuff like that. So it's um, really kind of kind of neat. Yeah, I want to see that. Um, have you always been into sours, or is this like a recent thing for you? Um, I've always enjoyed them. You know, I, I really have always been. Um, I've, I've always been a big fan of them, but I would say that I like the the fruity sours more yeah. than just like the bacterial sours, you yeah. know? Um, yes. uh, so, and, and I would say I like, I like the ones that have like this sweet fruit, the, the, the passion mm -hmm. fruit, banana, mango, in mm -hmm. with a little bit of a Berliner Weiss base that, that gets yeah. a little bit sour, more than like... Uh, like a Goza? You know, yeah, more than a goes there, yeah. more than a frambois type yeah. of a beer. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Awesome. They're what fun. do you have to do? Cheers. I'm still finishing this bad boy. This is yeah. like, yeah. Okay, well, I'm done with mine because anybody that's going to watch this later, you can see me just sweating like a whore in church. So I'm going to go into my next beer. Um, never heard of this brewery. Chandelure Island Brewery. There you they go. A little Mississippi beer. Yeah. From uh, Gulfport, um, I'm having the the Lie Smack IPA. So it is a West Coast style IPA. So it is more bitter. The other one I had was more of a juice bomb or East Coast. So I'm gonna finish with a bitter. This one is six and a half percent, 69 IBU. I'm enjoying it. It's I like bitter. I like the bitter dry finish. Um, citrus aroma, fruity, but not not balmy. So I, I'm enjoying the bitter. It's, it's cleansing my tongue. I'm enjoying it a lot. Are you an IPA right. person or not, Jay? Yeah, uh, I'm a big IPA person. That's really my go-to style, pale ales and IPAs. Uh, like what Jim was drinking, getting to a double IPA. You know, I, I enjoy going that direction. I do that more than I do sours or heavily yeah. fruited beers. Um, I also really like stouts, but... Um, there's a, I don't drink a whole lot of them these days. I enjoy it when I do, but I just haven't been drinking a whole lot of them. I saw one in the grocery store today. I went to Alexander's Market to get my beer. I took a picture. It is from Evil Twin. It The artwork just captured me. I don't know if you guys can see that. Probably not. It says Bible <laughs> Belt. It says Bible yeah. Belt. It looks like three guys from like Step Brothers. It's an Imperial Stout. I 
really wanted to get it, but I can't drink stouts when it's hot. And as you can all see, it is hot in this room, but They're it's hot. also a collaboration with Prairie and it just looks super amazing, yeah. but also super sweet. It's coffee, vanilla, chilies, and cacao nibs. I love coconut nibs Ooh. so much, Sounds but good. it's a, I, I wouldn't be able to finish it myself and the yeah. ABV pretty high and I'd be slurring by the end. It's 13%. So I'd be like, no. <laughs> yeah, no, we don't need that. But I one thing about a lot of a lot of these crazy beers these days, uh, you know, to me is like you really have to, yeah, you have to have somebody to share it with. Yes, like, this this beer here, it's a it's a sixteen ounce. I I would rather have somebody to share this with, and we yeah. each drink eight ounces of it, and then switch yeah. to something else. Uh, that, that way you get to be a little bit more promiscuous with your drinking and and you know yeah. just switch it up like I, that's actually i i like doing beer shares you know yes. and getting together and everybody bring different beers and you all just have a few ounces of each beer and and then move on to the next one that's what I, like so like i said i went to um alexander's here and they mm -hmm. don't have they have some single beers but not the ones you want to buy i had to yeah. buy two six packs so like i said yeah. alan richie's outside and i tried to give him beer he's like no I'm doing like a no drink September. I'm like, that's not a thing, man. Come on, take this beer. <laughs> that doesn't make Help any me. sense. Help me. Come on, Alan. No drink September is not, it's not, it's not a thing. It's not valid yeah. in August. Also, it's August. August, right. <laughs> <laughs> right. Oh my God. If he's still here, I'm going to bring it to him. All right, Jim, what are you having? Torque Wrench from Industrial Arts nice. in Garville, New York. They also opened a second location in Beacon. This is, uh, their wrench IPA with a little bit of torque. Octane. 8.2%. <laughs> uh, nice. Presents with pale haze, intense aromas, and a chewy mouthfeel. Ew, know. wait, what? <laughs> what? That, that bites you back. Arr. So torque blows up the tropical base of wrench, and then it tightens it with a big old dose of cryo Simcoe. Mm. I want to see you taste this. Because chewy, that's not something I want to find in a beer. And what do you think? Really, really good. Yeah. So Jay, show yours again. Yours looks really thick. The the glass. That's thick. Yeah. yeah. It's uh. It, See, that it's looks chewy. Drinking, wow. It's, it's, it's drinking like puree. Like a, yeah, it, it drinks like a smoothie. <laughs> it's gotta be delicious though, with the passion. It, it's good. Awesome. Oh, man. Okay, I want to brag on you a little bit more. So, uh, 2011, you did Top Chef. What was the next show? Did, I know you did. Ma Ch that, yeah. Was Chop Master, next? So, it was Master, Master Chef, Chef, then Cutthroat Kitchen. Oh. Um, so, I, I did Cutthroat Kitchen on Food Network in 2014. And then I did season 11 of Food Network Star in 2015. That's right. And then Chop. You should have won. You were robbed. He was runner yeah, up. Thank you. Won. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, I, man, I, I love everything about that journey. The only thing that I would change if I could would be, uh, you know, winning? getting named the winner at the end, <laughs> yeah. uh, which yeah. in all reality, I feel like I deserved it too. And I, I won't lie. 100% I mean, you did. I, uh, you were robbed. I was robbed. You um, were, completely. And I'm not saying that because you're my friend. If I thought you fucked up like that, you fucked up. You, you were robbed. I was robbed. <laughs> it's true. That, that's how it felt there, too. And, yeah. uh, you know and, Dana means it, Jay? You know Dana means it when she's getting up in the camera like, uh -huh. <laughs> you're robbed. I get aggressive. I'm sorry. 
Well, I appreciate Ruth, that. Ruth, hold her back. Ruth, hold her back. <laughs> okay, so you also did your own pilot for a show on the mm -hmm. Travel Channel, Deep yeah, Fried America? That was after Food Network Star. Um, okay. Deep Fried America is the show that they had me kind of shoot a pilot for mm -hmm. for the finale of Food Network Star. And then they ended oh. up calling me and saying, hey, we actually want you to do that. And oh. so I got to film a full episode pilot that ended up getting it. We really kind of filmed it for Food Network, but they, yep. they, they pushed it over to Travel Channel and it aired in the summer of 2016. Uh, and then it just kind of faded away, never got picked up for a full season. Um, and, and so that was really the end of it. But um, when you get the phone was, calls from producers, is it like at the beginning, obviously it was probably surreal. You're like, yeah, wow, this is, this is kind of happening right now. I got to say yes to all of these things or do you prioritize it? Like, how do you decide what no, you're going yeah, I, I to do I think, everything? Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, in, in reality, there haven't been, I mean, I, I've been very fortunate that I've gotten to do MasterChef, Cutthroat Kitchen, Chopped, Beat Bobby Flay, Food Network Star. Okay, go back to Beat Bobby Flay, because you, you beat uh, Bobby but, Flay. <laughs> yeah, we, we'll get to that one. But, but yeah, there's, <laughs> none, none of those that I really consider like saying no to yeah you know i mean they were they were all very much and they were they were spaced out enough you know in, in all reality it seems like it all just happened so fast but but it really didn't there were you know uh, i would be home for a year and a half and and then i would get a call from the next production company that wanted me to go do something else or you know get an invite to go uh, you know they're to apply for chopped or something like that and, and then things just worked out beat bobby flay actually came about because I was at the James Beard house in New York cooking a dinner with mm -hmm. some of the people that were on Food Network Star with me. Mm -hmm. One of the producers for Beat Bobby Flay was at that dinner at the James Beard house and was just like, hey, y'all were on Food Network Star. Bobby Flay is one of the judges and mentors there. We should get y'all to do an episode of Beat Bobby Flay. And so me and my buddy Alex McCoy, who's in uh, D.C., um, got to go to New York and film an episode of Beat Bobby Flay. And, uh, and you know, so it was just, it, it's all, ever since MasterChef, everything's kind of just been a little bit of a snowball, you know? Yeah. And, and so to that degree, like, no, it's not necessarily as, uh, you know, just like out of this world crazy when I get a call from a producer in New York now asking about if I'm interested in, you know, doing something. I've, I have also done probably a dozen Skype interviews and, um, you know, different things like that for TV shows that I haven't gotten to film, yeah, you yeah. know, or that people that were looking to do something that were putting uh, a list of people together that would be posts or potential contestants that I, I haven't ended up getting to do. So it's not like everything's been a home run. So you kind of hear everything out. Right. Uh, but Beat Bobby Flay was my favorite of all of those uh, yep. because of how easy it was. Um, not the competition part, but the, the, the TV production, the crew, um, the way that they run their show and just the, the gimmick of the show made it so much more comfortable to be right. on that set. It made it so much more fun to be good. on that set it was just a good time the whole time they treated you like an adult you know a lot of <laughs> a lot of these shows um 
kind of understandably so when you look at their job is to produce reality TV. Yeah. yeah. Um, they kind of treat the contestants like they're kids at a summer camp. You know, they, they herd you. They, they sit you down and shut you up and make you wait until it's your turn to go on camera. And, and they're intentionally putting you on edge to a degree. Right. The, the smaller shows, Food Network Star and, and MasterChef was really bad at that. Food Network Star wasn't as bad, but there was a degree of feeling like mm-hmm. you're a kid at a summer camp and like, you know, like you're just isolated to your hotel room or you're, you know, or you have a camera in your face uh, kind of thing. And not a hundred percent, but but it was more in that direction. Yeah. Um, Cutthroat Kitchen and Chopped were, were more laid back. It's a one day shoot, um, but there's three contestants or four contestants and then three and then two and, and you get through your day. Uh, with Beat Bobby Flay, it was it was you go head to head with one person, and then the winner goes against Bobby. Yeah, and everybody's just like chill the whole time. You get there, Good. it's relaxed. What you need? Here's your little dressing room. Hang out, take a load off, nice. get some coffee, get some water, get some breakfast, whatever. They took you on a little tour of the kitchen, but the whole time I'm hanging out with my buddy Alex that I was on Food Network Star with. <laughs> We're gonna we're gonna cook against each other, but like a lot of these shows, they they go almost out of their way to make sure that they maintain some element of like realism in that you just met somebody. Like if, if you don't know who the guest judge is on some episode, they want you to be surprised when they reveal that guest judge. If like they, they went through all sorts of links to make sure that when actually saw the other contestants on the set of Food Network Star, that it was the first time we saw each other because oh, they wow. didn't want us to know each other already. Yeah. You know, that, that was kind of the point is we can't have you saying on TV, like, oh, what, uh, what happened to your brother? You know, like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know that person right. has a brother to right, the TV right. audience. Right. So, so they, they actually just like go out of their way to separate us. Well, for Beat Bobby Flay, I already know the guy. Right. Like, I'm buddies with the guy, and it's okay if on TV we're buddies. Right. And and so like they just don't have to do. They didn't have to do any of that other weird stuff, and we just got to have fun and and go for it. And you know, you know who's on Bobby, Bobby you know Flay who's on a, You know who's on a Bobby Flay cooking show before you? Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, hot off Circa. the grill. Like 15 years ago, when he um had like rotating people friends uh, pretending that we're his friends and we just stopped by his place and everybody took turns cooking um but i mean it was pretty laid back but bobby was going through a divorce at the time so there were some days little little contentious but you know had nothing to do with us so it was fine (laughs) it was fun i had a good time he was always really nice to me so yeah yeah he's always been Bobby's always been cool on TV sets. I've spent yeah. a lot of time on TV sets with him for Food Network Star. Yeah. And then beat Bobby Flay as well. I mean, he, he's a business guy. He's, he, yeah. he gets down to it. You know, he's got a lot of other stuff going on. He's there yes. doing his job. So he's not just hanging out, shooting the breeze, right. wasting time. Right. Uh, you know, he's, he's there. He films what he's supposed to film, and then he gets out of there. But, yeah. uh, but he was also cool to be around. And, and everything that I ever witnessed was him treating 
you know, about his crew, the, the, the camera guys, the sound guys, the hair and makeup and wardrobe team, the culinary assistants, always treating them with respect and, you know, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I've got nothing but good things to say about my experiences with Bobby yeah. Flay on, on yeah. set. I was in a, uh, at a convention in Vegas uh, work and we went to the Mesa Grill, which is his spot. Yeah, Caesar's Palace. Um, he comes up to the table. Really? usually has like an associate chef at all of his restaurants that kind of, of course he, he was in town. I don't know if he was doing quality control or what he was doing, but he came up, he's like, Hey folks, how's the meal tonight? And I look at him and I'm like, why is Bobby? <laughs> right now? Like, normally he wouldn't be in Vegas at this, at this grill. Like, what the hell? I was like, you're Bobby. You he made your meal. Like, did you make this? I'm like, Oh, I'm Jim. He's like, nice to meet you, Jim. How's your food? I'm like, it's amazing. Thanks. <laughs> that's cool. But he's just super personable, super cool, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. So we have to talk about government taco. Okay. Yeah, what's Go the ahead. future for, for G? Well, no, first of all, for people that don't know what government taco is, Jay, what is government taco? Uh, what, what is government taco? That's like <laughs> what a is it not? Question. <laughs> it's um, everything. <laughs> it, it's me putting my political science degrees to use uh, with something that everybody can agree on, which is tacos. Um, agree. And it is, uh, we, we kind of say like in, a, in almost a, a um, propaganda-y way, it's like modern American tacos. Uh, it, it, it is not supposed to be authentic Mexican. Um, by all means, there are some things that are that are uh, leaning a little bit more Mexican, but we have more yeah. Southern flavors and more Louisiana flavors on our menu than Mexican flavors. Um, it's, uh, it, it's a modern taco shop. It's, the idea is take whatever you want, whatever flavor combinations you can dream of and find a way to serve it on a tortilla and make it make sense. Uh, yeah. and, and so we, we, we have fun with it. We have fun with using the taco as a platform to put forward uh, interesting flavor combinations and textures and uh, our number one seller is called the clucks and balances it's uh it's a smoked chicken thigh that uses my spicy and sweet barbecue rub uh, pimento mac and cheese Nashville Ooh. hot chicken skins that uses that other barbecue the hot wow. chicken rub that we're going to package and uh and a white barbecue sauce which is another sauce that we're going to package um that's one of our number one selling tacos uh so we were in a uh, booth in a food hall in Mid-City, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We opened in 2018. Well, right when COVID hit, uh, the food hall closed down. Mm -hmm. And so we have not been open since mid-March. But fortunately, um, for a good bit of time before that, almost a year before that, uh, I had started the process of working on uh, a true government taco location that would be all my own with a full bar oh, wow. and expanded menu and everything else. So construction actually started on that. We had lease signed architect plans, permitting, all that kind of stuff. What? Construction started in February uh, and then COVID hit in March. And so it, it, we were supposed to be moving out of the food hall sometime over this summer and moving into our own space anyway. Um, we weren't expecting to have to close the food hall location in March and yeah. we weren't expecting delays due to COVID. Um, right. but as of now, construction is set to be finished by Labor Day, uh, which mm -hmm. is only a few weeks away. 
And uh, by the end of September, we really ought to be open in our new location. Give us the address of your new location, please. 5621 Government Street, Baton Rouge, Louisiana. That's awesome. Okay, so you clearly had to stay on Government Street, right? <laughs> well, no, not. We wanted to, but it's okay. not Government Street Taco. It's Government That's true. Taco. That's true. That's and true. Uh, it belongs everywhere. Um, you know, Government Taco was was partly got partly got its name and its branding because of my degrees in political science. Partly okay. because it's the cap banners of the capital of Louisiana, and it just yep. kind of made sense to go with that branding. And then partly because we knew the first location in the food hall was going to be on Government Street, and so it just helped with that right out the gate. But it's all been very intentionally designed and branded nice. to be able to be replicable anywhere. And yeah. so uh, you know, it's the theme, it's the brand. It's not. Uh, it doesn't have to be on a Government Street, but of course we. We knew we were going to be out of the food hall with yeah. this location, and we wanted to stay in that mid-city Baton Rouge area, and our preference was definitely to stay yeah. on Government Street, so <laughs> it's working. Do we, do we have an ultimate goal of franchising? Um, I don't know about franchising, okay. uh, per se, like, like truly looking at it as a franchise model. Um, there is certainly an ultimate for growth and multiple locations and multiple outlets um but i don't know if that yeah in baton rouge but but it could grow out of baton rouge as well but I, but I'll, I'll say this if if it grows beyond baton rouge it probably will look at the franchise model um before anything else because yeah. i really feel like it's going to need some sort of uh you know operational and management partner in Absolutely. another city to to run it and that that doesn't need to fall on me you know right. uh, and and my team so uh yeah that's probably the the direction that we'll really look when we're ready to move beyond baton rouge cool. i really see you having a show one day because not only are you an amazing chef and your ideas are creative you are so likable jay and you have such a great personality and that is just it comes across on tv so well so i mean i i am waiting for this to happen i know it's going to happen it clearly has to happen you're just one perfect day. for it seriously you're perfect for it I, I i sure hope something happens one day you know there's there's still lots of things out there there's lots of possibilities i'm i, I continue to network i keep in touch with a lot of old producers uh that are out there so there's there's possibilities you know it's just yeah Finding, finding the right concept at the right time that, right. that needs somebody like me to come in as the talent for the show or, um, you know, or, or get to a point where I have the, the time and the ability to, to really kind of put a concept together and go pitch it. I would yeah. have the ability and the connections to do that too. Um, yeah. There's, there's a lot that I'm juggling right now. You know, yeah. there's, there's a lot of things that I would say like, well, if I didn't have all these other things going on, like right. this is what I would do, you know. Right. If, if I didn't have the product line and the restaurant and the radio show, yeah. I I probably would actually really be pursuing right. some sort of TV opportunity or something along those lines. You don't um, need to pursue it, my friend. It's right. going to happen. It's going well, to happen. Yeah, it'll come to your doorstep, I think. You know? Yeah, and I, I 
honestly, I think that's kind of the calculated decision that's been made is mm -hmm. let, let me keep growing all these things yeah. that I'm growing and keep doing yes. what I'm doing. And those kind of things will come to me. And yeah. it's not a complete, like, if I was doing all of this in obscurity, then those yeah. things wouldn't come to me. But I've right. built a foundation upon which I can, I can create that scenario. So 100%. Yeah, that's it. Um, we have about four minutes left before it kicks us off. So Jay, tell us where we can buy your products, where we can find you, like give us all your mm -hmm. information. So com is uh, the number one place to go. If you go to jdecody.com, we can, we can do a promo code. How about we do a promo code? Uh, you want to do yes. beer or butt first beer? Butt first beer. Let's do that. All That's right. Awesome. Pro Promo code buttfirstbeer on jdecody.com, 25% off all what? online orders for oh. all of the JD's products, the barbecue sauce, mustard, all the rubs that are on there, my coffee, my wine. Um, I've got a my first cookbook coming out soon. Um, I think you can pre-order it on Amazon right now. That's it's uh, Jay Decody's Louisiana Outdoor Cooking. It's a lot of That's tailgate cool. recipes and things like that. Yeah. Um, so that's... Uh, Set to release September 16th, but uh, I think pre-orders are available on Amazon right now, and I got to get my hands on some copies so I can sell it uh, as well. But it's not on my website right now, so go yeah. to Amazon for that. But, That's awesome. Uh, I'll, I'll any, put in uh, promo any code gator recipes? For, uh, there is an alligator recipe in there, nice. black and gator recipe. He loves gator tail, and I'm so proud. Nice. So proud. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Big man. Um, this has been so much fun. Thank you for doing this. I told Jason earlier that I'm so happy that we are friends because you've gotten so big. You charge people for this now. So I'm so happy that <laughs> we're friends. Can we get to sit down and chat with you? <laughs> uh, it's, a, it's a pleasure. You know, that's, that's certainly one thing that this, uh, this whole pandemic has uh, created is, you know, a, a need and desire to get back to stuff like this, you know? And yeah. That, yeah. I'm home on a Saturday, you know, hanging yeah. out and get, getting a few things done, but like making time to catch up with some old friends and, uh, and, and do, do some things like this is also great. So thank you all for having me. Yeah. Thank you, buddy. Very, we appreciate you. We love you and we wish you the best. Um, <laughs> listeners, if you're thirsty for more, Jim, where can they find us? You guys can listen to us on Apple podcasts, on Spotify, on breaker, on Spreaker on Radio Public, on a uh, few other places that I don't remember, but Dan is looking at the list right now. Pocket, Pocket Cast, Overcast. That's Podbean. what you got everything. All right. And Podbean. Yeah. Podbean. Jay, thank you. Hopefully we <laughs> will be in person soon and enjoying some of your delicious food. We love you and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Love it. Thank you all. Bye. Love you too.